Ooh, welcome in to the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bren. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy, what's going on? Oh, man, I have got great news, Shane, yeah. for the audience. We have officially been approved for SEC Media Days. First time, Shane, the podcast mm-hmm. has been credentialed. I've been down there before, but under a previous outlet. So this mm-hmm. is, you know, I know some people may laugh at us and all that for, for making a big deal of this. There are There's going to be everybody and everybody down there, but... It's a little validation for all the hard work we've been putting in and, and the audience, you know, really big ups to the audience because without the audience, stuff like this, going to the College Football Hall of Fame to cover SEC football would not be a possibility. So I'm on cloud nine right now. How about you? <laughs> Me too, man. I told you. I told you prior to, you know, I never made it to college football, but I made it to the College Football Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, whoever whoever approves these things have not listened to the podcast. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm excited, brother. Uh, it, it's something that we've been talking about for a long, long time here. Uh, but to, to think about where we came from, uh, I mean, it was it seemed like just yesterday I'm we're phone interviewing. I'm under a gazebo smoking a cigarette, drinking cold beer. You know, I, I, I 10 people listening at most, you know, to go from there to this is just uh, it's awesome. It's the next chapter uh, of that SEC podcast. And like you said, um, you know, we couldn't do it without the listeners and the support that we get from those guys and girls and. Uh, I can't wait, man. But uh, you, you guys are gonna see some. I mean, we're go- we're going all in too, man. When we get down there, we're gonna we're we're gonna just give you the experience as well, so you can kind of feel the behind the scenes uh, of of the SEC media days and the kickoff to the season, baby. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. <laughs> yeah, and I hear you're cracking open a cold one, Shane. I'm drinking one. Can we drink here. down there? I don't know. What's the rules? I don't know. Can we walk around with a cold beer? Or is that is that frowned on? <laughs> just kidding. I'm not going to get us kicked out just yet, Mike. <laughs> well, speaking of getting kicked out, we may do it right here, Shane, because I just poured me some Kentucky bourbon here to celebrate mm. the news for Rose's bourbon. This was actually sent by uh, one of the fans after one of them famous bourbon bet game Shane <laughs> and why am I doing that not just for SEC media days I'm not trying to turn into a drunk here but we are going to continue our fall camp preview series Shane with none other mm-hmm. than them Kentucky Wildcats them Ooh, Wildcat fans Shane are on cloud nine right now after a 10 in three seasons second place finish in the SEC East so you ready to do a mm-hmm. deep dive on Mark Stoops latest team out there Oh, am I ever. And, and for those listeners that didn't catch up, we did Tennessee. Now, we're very optimistic. So, I, I've, I've retired the Razorback helmet. I am, I am pulling out the Kentucky bourbon, the Big Blue Nation, blue glasses, blue Kool-Aid. I am all in on Kentucky. So, you got to remember, this is optimistic scheduling. Uh, not only are we doing a deep dive of each team, but we also like to look at the schedule at the end mm-hmm. and think about what is the best case scenario for this ball club. Tennessee, I had going ten and two. Mike, not so well. What did you have, Tennessee, if, officially? Nine and three, optimistically. No, optimistically, nine and three. Then we jumped to to Arkansas. I've got Arkansas best case scenario sneaking in to the college football playoffs with a eleven and one record. Mike has them at. 10 and 2. 10 and 2, which I think uh, fan support would take either one of those. And so Kentucky, uh, I'm 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 buying into the hype already, but you throw in a little optimism, who knows what we're going to get from these guys this year. <laughs> no doubt, Shane, and this was a program of course that uh you know couldn't even reach a bowl game before mm-hmm. Mark Stoops got there and early on during his tenure, they've won back-to-back New Year's Six Bowls over Big Ten opponents, winning the Citrus Bowl over Iowa, winning 10 games last year. And the best way to sum up how great Mark Stoops has been there at Kentucky, Shane, he's one win away from tying Bear Bryant as the school's Mm -hmm. all-time winningest coach. So obviously two games away from being Kentucky's all-time leading coach, which uh, he's going to – 
you know, if he can get that win of Florida, he, man, <laughs> just imagine we're sitting here talking about, we're going down to Florida. That should be a win for the gate going down to Florida. That should be a win for Kentucky. Yeah. Dude, that's, Never in my wildest dreams did I imagine saying that by the, when Mark well, Stoops got hired. You struggled to say it just then. You know? <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, wait. Am I reading this right? You know, it's like the the prompters on you. Like, who's messing with the words here? But uh, no, this is where the program is now, and mm-hmm. and you know, people, especially my my beloved volunteers, you know, they don't want to buy into the fact that Kentucky's going to be around for a while this isn't a this isn't like i always think about vanderbilt and uh what's his name with the anchor down push and and all of a sudden they just had this little flare and vanderbilt's fun and they're winning ball games and they're beating people they're not supposed to but then they just flare out and 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 i'm not saying that happened with kentucky but in this neck of the woods that's what they expect just a couple of good seasons and then they're going to go back to what kentucky does and it does and it's not going away mike in fact it's getting better it's getting more diversified this is i mean we're going to talk about here in a second they're 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 becoming a program to be reckoned with, especially in the in the SEC East. Yeah, no doubt, Shane, and a large part because of the fan base that's bought in, that's eager to support them Wildcats. Shane, how about this? Mark Stoops, 41-22 and 22 at home as a Kentucky head coach. He's got a winning record, 19-18 and 18, uh, at home in SEC contest, which it took till last season to get there. But, again, you got to factor in where Kentucky was when he took that thing over. But they're, mm-hmm. you know, at no point in time are they going backwards. They're going to remain mm-hmm. a winning program at home thanks to Mark Stoops and the tremendous job of his coaching staff. And, you know, we'll start right there like we do, Shane, with the uh, with the coaching staff. We're bringing back defensive coordinator Brad White that turned down an opportunity to be LSU's defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. So, you, you know, when you're turning down the best of the best in college football, has got to tell you you got faith in where you're at where you're going and what could be accomplished next fall in lexington so love to see that from brad white unfortunately uh the offensive coordinator liam cohen jumped to the nfl but how can you blame him going back to (laughs) to work for sean mcveigh the super bowl champion so Mm -hmm. what did mark stoops do he turned around and got rich scangarello also from uh the nfl so we're we're losing offensive coordinator, but we're staying with a, a similar style of offense. Right. Something that Will Levis, we'll get we'll get to him in a minute, but he's someone that he's got to be uh, just thrilled is saying, staying in that same NFL-style offense. Scangarello mm-hmm. was at uh, San Francisco, like I said, last year as a quarterback's coach. He's been the offensive coordinator for the Denver Broncos, and he's actually, Shane, been a college offensive coordinator in the years past so a lot to like about Kentucky's new offensive coordinator and and really you know anytime you hire in a bring a new coordinator that is a huge question mark but Mm -hmm. I I don't think Mark Stoops could have done much better if he wanted to to stick with the same style of offense short of hiring Sean McVay to be the new coordinator you know what (laughs) Well, and that's that's like the telltale sign that your program is doing well. When your coaches are being recruited at the end of the seasons, mm-hmm. when you can go out and you can hire a position coach and it's not you, – you don't have to sell it on the program. How many times have you seen somebody and they're like, well – you remember, I'll never forget Mike DeBoard, you know, and they're like, well, remember, he coached Tom Brady. And it's like, what, back in the 80s? You know, it's like, why are we giving this guy credit? You don't, if Kentucky doesn't have to do that anymore. When they go out, they they don't just take whatever. They, they pick, they figure out what is going to make this program better. And uh, that's what I like to see in a program. When your coaches are trying to get poached at the end of the season, you're doing something right. Yeah. Well, and speaking of getting poached, though, that also happened with the inside linebackers coach, Shane, John Summerall. Yep. He's now the new Troy head coach. So, again, if you're losing a position coach to be a head coach. Head coach, exactly. That's again, speaks to uh, just you know what momentum they have there in Kentucky, what quality assistance they have working for Mark Stoops. And he turned – staying in the family, Shane, he hired Mike Stoops, his brother – to be the new inside linebackers coach who last season was Florida Atlantic's defensive coordinator. He's been the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma. He was Arizona head coach for seven seasons. So, 
man, you're getting a, a incredibly experienced position coach to come in yeah. there that that has served as a head coach. You can't do much better than that. You know what? I wonder when they go to like a family reunion. You know, <laughs> Mamaw's always got her favorite. You know, she. You know, clearly I was a favorite, but I'm just wondering which stoop is the favorite coming in. <laughs> I, th- I I just think right now with what Mark's doing and, and the and the way he talks, you know, because we've heard him a few times. Uh, there's there's some there's some confidence coming out of Lexington. Yeah, no doubt. And the only other staff change, Shane, offensive line coach Eric Wolford jumped to Alabama, but mm-hmm. I love what they did here. They bring in Zach Yenzer who coached with Scangarello with the 49ers. So your new offensive coordinator, new offensive line coach, already have that relationship, that working relationship. Right. There's not going to be a big uh, you know, learning curve there for either one of them. And, and my favorite thing I learned about uh, Yenzer this offseason, Shane, he studied under John Schlerman, of course, the, the noted Kentucky offensive line coach that tragically mm-hmm. passed away during the 2020 season. So yeah. you're going back to the past a little bit, but you but you're bringing the NFL experience with it. So right, you never want to lose a coach, but hell, Kentucky may have upgraded with uh, Wolford leaving for Alabama. As crazy as that is, because they're bringing in someone that that fits uh, like a puzzle piece with the new offensive coordinator. Right, that's it. Just make it work. Now, as for the returning production, Shane, again, this is why a lot of Kentucky fans are fired up, brother, because 100% of the last season's passing yards is returning, of course, with Will Levis back in the Mm -hmm. fold. Many people have him as a a first-round pick in the NFL draft. If he takes that next step, you know, some people have compared it to, you know, he could be the next Joe Burrow, as crazy as that sounds. But he's on that path already to be that elite quarterback in the SEC and and if he takes that giant step I mean I'm looking at the schedule Shane I mean there's there's quality quarterbacks Kentucky will be facing but yeah they have got to love the quarterback edge that Will Levis gives them this year don't you think well yeah I I, I, you're gonna see a lot of jerseys this year man with Levis (laughs) on it I mean the hype is real it wouldn't surprise me if you don't see some sort of Heisman campaign out of Lexington uh because this is this has already been as soon as he came out uh what was it Tom uh McVeigh came out with the or McShay is it McShay yeah McVeigh Todd McShay yeah, McShay came out with that uh, that mock draft. You know, they've been on fire. I mean, the 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 pressure. Then let me. I wanted to ask you because, and, and maybe we'll get into it here in a minute. But you know, there wasn't as much pressure coming into the season for Will last year as there will be this. Um, do, do you think that? I don't know. Do you think that makes it more difficult? Or do you think that the high expectations creates a, a different type of atmosphere in the offseason and maybe that bleeds into this season? Yeah, it's certainly something that uh, he's going to have to adjust to because you're right. I mean, hell, nobody knew who he was at this mm-hmm. time last year. You know, they just, mm-hmm. they just knew he was coming in. He was a transfer. Uh, yeah. I don't believe he was even there for spring football, if I'm not mistaken. I think he just came in the middle of the summer and, and won the team over. So. There is that added pressure. He's getting, uh, to my understanding, Shane, he's got all these NIL deals, which, yeah. again, perfectly legal. He should be doing for what he's doing for the Kentucky program. But there is that added level of, of shouldering the offense. But, mm-hmm. hell, that, that's a lot easier than uh, taking a field against some of these monstrous <laughs> SEC defenders. And he did a hell of a job doing that. You know what? Yeah, absolutely. I just think – I was – always wondered about that especially with quarterback situations if you know if you come in fighting for the job then I I just you see that competitive nature it it bleeds into the season but sometimes you see a little bit of a lull if there's a guy that just knows he has the job and and I think we're not going to see that with Will because there's all this this expectations coming out of, of Lexington now. There's a lot of people expecting big things. They're expecting to see a first round quarterback. So I, I think I think the hot couldn't come at a better time. So you know I don't know. I, it's just my opinion, but I was just wanting, I was kind of figuring out what you were thinking there. Well, also Shane, to back that up, I mean, you know, you're seeing all these first round projections. Mm-hmm. If he was already a first rounder, he'd be in the NFL. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, right. they're they're basing that on projections and what he could be. 
So maybe that lights a fire under his ass where he, where he says, yeah. man, if I work hard this offseason, it translates to the field, I will be not only a first-round pick, but heck, one guy had him as the first overall pick. You know what I mean? So we're talking life-changing fortune is within grasp, but he's got to put in the work. He's got to perform on the field. So what better motivator can there be than uh, to, to hear that coming your way? You know what? Yeah, no joke, man. And, hey, he's not going to have to shoulder the entire thing himself, Shane, because Kentucky returns 95% of their rushing attack mm. thanks to Chris Rodriguez, who's about 1,100 yards away from becoming the all-time leading uh, rusher in school history. With Just the- unfortunately, he can't go 1,100 <laughs> yards past his – his residence or his ankle bracelet goes off, right? Is that is <laughs> just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. I had to make my okay. I'm done. But yeah, uh, is so, that cleared? Is 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 he done with all that? Is no, it that's that's the thing. The rest? It's okay. it's kind of up in the air. Uh, you know, I've heard his status. He's going to be, you know, season is not in jeopardy. But the expectation is he's going to be suspended. Uh, if, if you missed the news, I'm sure most, if you're listening to this, you, you hadn't missed it, but got a DUI and then he missed his court date there. I think there was some confusion with the, his attorney or what day he had to show up, but, and then there was other issues that, uh, I can't really comment on, but you compound all those and it looks like he's going to be suspended and you just hope that he's back for that Florida game week two, because yeah. that, that's could be the most pivotal game outside of the Georgia game on the schedule. You know what? Yeah, that's that's just because I expect big things from Kentucky, and I, I, you know, I joke. I don't, I don't mean, I don't know Rodriguez. I don't know his situation, but this is noise you don't want to hear mm-hmm. coming into the season. You know, what I'm saying you just right. want to put, you want to put this to rest, and and hopefully they they come out with something sooner than later. Now here's the issue though with Kentucky's offense, Shane, receiving yards just 21 percent returning. Mm-hmm. Isaiah Cummings 195 yards is the leading returning receiver they only have one receiver on the roster that has scored a touchdown in a Kentucky uniform so that is going to be a a something that they've got to solve in fall camp Uh, also the offensive line they lost three starters to the NFL and they're bringing back two guards but even one of the guards Eli Cox is shifting to center so just a lot. Right. I don't want to say a total rebuild because hell, that's all they do up there is is build elite linemen up yeah. in Lexington. But <laughs> that is also a big question mark that uh, they are going to have to solve. And, and again, right out the gate, week two, they they have got to be up to speed when they travel to Gainesville. Otherwise, uh, they'll they'll start the, the year with a loss. Oh yeah, and there's again, there's a lot of programs that you worry about losing depth, especially at offensive line. But Kentucky, if they've proved you anything, it's like they're deep, you know? They, mm-hmm. they just reload, and, and next thing you know, there's a couple more kids on that team going in the NFL draft. So, uh, I'm, not, I'm not too worried about that offensive front. Now, obviously, the wide receivers, th- that's going to be the big question marks. Who's Will throwing to? So, uh, I'm sure we'll jump into that here in a little bit. Yeah, and speaking of being deep, Shane, that's where Kentucky is deep on defense. 67% of the tackles returning. Jacquez mm-hmm. Jones had 85 tackles. They got maybe the best linebacking crew in the SEC. 58% of their tackles for loss, 65% of their sacks, and 78% of the interceptions mm-hmm. are returning. So Kentucky's, you know, they don't have a lot of starters returning, but they got a lot of talented, productive players returning for Brad White's defense, which, uh, again, that's all they do. Aside from offensive line, they do defense up there in Lexington, <laughs> and the defense should be pretty stout this year. Yeah, it should be, man. And that's and that's what you want. Like I said, just the, especially in the trenches there, you, it, working on that that defensive front, I, I, think, I think Kentucky's going to be great there. And, and not a lot of hype coming out of this, you know, camp. There's not going to be a lot of con- people saying, "Oh, if you look at Kentucky's defense lately." But I think it's again one of those one of those uh groups that at the end of the year you're like, "Oh, okay. I, I saw the development yet again." Mm-hmm. Now, jumping over to the transfers, Shane, I think Kentucky came out ahead when you talk about what they've gained compared to what they've lost. They only lost one guy that was potentially a projected starter, quarterback Cedric Dort. He is now at Wisconsin. And they did lose about six or seven other guys, Shane, but when you start going down the list and you see, okay, they're going to UConn, 
They're going to South <laughs> Alabama. They're going to right. Iona. You know what I mean? It's like it's kind of mm-hmm. like, well, these are guys that are going down to see the field. Play. Is it? Yeah. Is, that's they're, they're that's all it is. Play. Right. That's now, that. And and how many times has it been the other way? Uh, you think in years past when when kids have left, they're going to other programs so that they can, you know, get an opportunity to go to the NFL. Now they know they can do that in Lexington. So I mm-hmm. I think that's 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 more noise than it is news. You know. Right now, as for the incoming transfers, here's where they they've struck some gold here. Shane, receiver Tavion Robinson from Virginia mm-hmm. Tech, coming in 113 catches, 1555 receiving yards, nine touchdowns, 30 career starts for Virginia Tech. So look for him, Robinson, to be a potential starter day one for the Kentucky Wildcats. Another guy they got that they love, offensive lineman Tayshawn Manning from Auburn. He started uh, 14 games the last two years at Kentucky. So we talk about having pieces to to replace on the offensive line. Tayshawn Manning should slide right into that starting lineup. Uh, Detron Smith, a defensive back at Ole Miss, 47 games experience, 22 starts, 223 tackles, 21 passes defended, five interceptions. Smith, he's probably going to start too for you on defense. Yeah. So you're adding some talent there. They've added a defensive lineman from Ohio State, Shane Darion Henry Young, who was a, a top 200 prospect, four-star. He's got four years left to play. And then here right before uh, we hopped on the pod yesterday, Running backs added two to the roster. Ramon Jefferson from Houston State. He had uh, just under 2,000 yards rushing, 20 touchdowns in two seasons at Houston State. And this is a guy that uh, had offers from several SEC programs. He actually committed to Colorado previously but backed off that. Now he's adding to the depth at Kentucky. And a name you'll be familiar with, Shane, D. Mm-hmm. Beckwith from Tennessee. Yep. Uh-oh. Yeah. So – at the end of the day, yep. you look at all that would these. That hurt a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you look at all these pieces. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. Kentucky, big winner uh, in the transfer portal this offseason. Yeah, and I, I, you think a lot of SEC teams and the transfers, this is one of those programs that just kind of stands out. So, speaking of standout, I'm going to put you on a spot, Mike. Out of all these transfers, who are your top three most impactful players this coming up season? It's got to be Tavion Robinson, number one. Mm-hmm. He he sh- may be your number one receiver at Kentucky. Uh, Tayshawn Manning on the offensive line, and then um, I may this may be a surprise, but I think Ramon Jefferson, the new running back they got with with Chris Rodriguez potentially being out for a couple of games, uh-huh. they're going to need some added depth at running back. And uh, I just love these guys from the smaller schools that take that step up and, and are eager mm-hmm. to prove themselves at the highest level because I think he's coming into campus with something to prove right away. Absolutely. All right, good. That's that's kind of the way I was looking at it too. <laughs> now, Kentucky, they did a hell of a job in recruiting as well. The number 14 overall recruiting class in the country, mm-hmm. number four in the SEC. The only thing about Kentucky, Shane, they love to develop. They don't play a ton of freshmen. But we may see a couple of these guys because we're recruiting so well at Kentucky now. You, you may not be able to keep some of these guys off the field. And I'm looking at you, Kenyatta Goodwin, the five-star mm-hmm. offensive lineman. He may slide into uh, a guard or tackle spot on the offensive line. Baron Brown, number the, the number mm-hmm. 16 receiver in the country, top three prospect from Tennessee. Dane Key is another receiver that uh, – uh, is making plays there in the spring. So they signed nearly a dozen four-star prospects uh, in the last recruiting cycle. We have to pause for a second. And those dogs Sid- don't like it. Yeah, no. I mean, all these people leaving Tennessee, I don't blame them. You know, can, <laughs> you got to start whispering when you're talking about hurtful things like that. Trained them well. <laughs> Zaxby's just got here. So we're going to have to wrap this thing. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Go ahead. Uh, we're good. And next, Shane, I like to rank the the offensive units. That's kind of what we've been doing on our previews here. And you know, there there's two really solid options I think for Kentucky: running back or quarterback. But I'm going running back, Shane, because again, we got Chris Rodriguez. I know his status right. kind of up in the air, but we got Jatuan McLean, Cavassier, Smoke, again, Ramon Jefferson, and Justice Dingle. I mean, my goodness, Shane, and throw in D. Beckwith if he's uh, eligible this fall. Uh, I I don't know if there's a deeper position group on all of Kentucky's roster than the running backs. 
There's not. The room is loaded, and and that's what's scary because, you know, when Kentucky can build a lead, mm -hmm. they can just sit back and hand it to one of five of these guys mm -hmm. and just just keep doing what Kentucky does the best, and that is milk the clock. So uh, this is this is the program they've created. That there's flair with quarterback. There's flair with some of these new receivers, but the the you think of the bread and butter. It's the offensive line, and it's the running backs, and they've got plenty of them. Yeah, and apparently the new offensive coordinator, Shane Rich Scandarella, he loves to go with two running backs on the field at the same time. So mm -hmm. maybe that speaks to why Kentucky added a couple of running backs here yeah. uh, with, with training camp right around the corner. So then next, of course, we go to quarterbacks. Will Levis, we, we've all said everything about him. Just a tremendous player. But I love the potential of Bo Allen. For, former four yep. stars, one of the top overall prospects out of Kentucky. And then they added a transfer, Deuce Hogan from Iowa. So we got some nice, talented depth. And you remember it went that long ago, Shane. We didn't even have a quarterback in Kentucky. We had to go <laughs> Wildcat for an entire That's season. Right. You know what? It was fun, though, I, I, at times. That, that Georgia game was terrible, but at times <laughs> it was exciting and, and fun to watch. But, man, as a fan – you got to really appreciate that quarterback room now. You know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. we had to do it at the time you know, due to injuries and things like that. But now it's just the the growth and development that we've seen up there in Lexington. This this offense has changed its identity. And uh, the, it all starts with Will. It all, Actually, it all starts with Martin, what he's brought to the campus. Mm -hmm. Now, we also got a strong group of tight ends, Shane Keaton Upshaw, Braden Bates, Jordan Dingle, Jack Monday. I mean, mm -hmm. I, again, you need tight ends in a system like this, and I think Scangarillo's got to be thrilled with the group. Again, offensive line, we all know, again, Kentucky, they're just – that's what they do up there. Makey's offensive lineman, Eli mm -hmm. Cox, he's been getting standout praise, the new center. Kenneth Horsey has got 13 starts under his belt up there in Lexington. Already mentioned the transfer, Tayshawn Manning. Uh, Jeremy Flax could be uh, one of your starting tackles there. So, And, and then we throw in the five-star freshman, Kenyatta Goodwin. This is a good-looking group that, uh, you know, they may take a couple weeks to get seasoned, but uh, this is something Kentucky can win with right here. Oh, yeah, definitely can, and they're going to. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is a team coming off 10 wins, Mike, and they got better in my opinion. Mm -hmm. that, that means last but not least here, the receivers. Again, you, you got the transfer Robinson from Virginia Tech. Should be a star. But aside from that, you got a lot of talent, but unproven talent with uh, mm -hmm. freshman Dane Key, Dakel Crowdis, who, who was banged up last year. Isaiah Cummings, again, he was the only uh, receiver on the team that has a touchdown. And then Demarcus Harris and, and Rashawn Lewis. So we've got pieces, but they're unproven pieces that these right. are these are going to be the guys that have to step up if Kentucky is going to have that dream season in Lexington this fall. Now, going over to the defense, Shane, again, the, the linebackers are just out of this world here. We got six guys we can win footballs with. <laughs> Jacquez Jones, DeAndre Square, J.J. Weaver, the man with six fingers. <laughs> Jordan Wright, they've been singing his praises for, for two or three years. Traven Wallace, one of the highest rated – I think he's the highest rated linebacker Kentucky's ever signed. And uh, mm -hmm. Derek Jackson. So, again, six guys that we can go to battle with here in the fall that uh, – arguably the best linebacking crew, if not in the SEC, certainly the SEC East. And which one has six fingers? I, I remember <laughs> – J.J. Weaver. J.J. Weaver. Okay. Why didn't he get number six? I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think if you're going to lean into it, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Why did Tyrell get to wear number six? <laughs> I did love when they were like six and zero last year, and he had his hand up. With and all the Kentucky oh, yeah. people were like, "How many wins have we got?" <laughs> now the defensive line, Shane. This is a group that uh, lacks experience, but again, all kinds of talent with this group. This was the the touted class they signed a number of, yeah. uh, of seasons ago. They were all four or five star linemen: Octavius Oxidine, Travion Ripka, Justin Rogers, jo Josiah Hayes. And then the, the, the guy from Ohio State, Darion Henry Young, Kyle Sanders. So, mm -hmm. we're losing some leadership and some production on the defensive line. But, again, this may be a more talented 
defensive line than what we had to work with last season. It, it's pretty wild, don't you think? Yeah, and, and you know, you got to remember injuries. Oxidon, you know, didn't get to play there till the end of the season. So, I don't know if that factors in. But, you know, this, this defensive front, don't sleep on them. They, they, got, they got some big bodies. That's, mm-hmm. that's the big thing. You know, it, when you look at this front, this isn't, you know, this ain't a Vanderbilt defensive line. This is, this is some big-ass boys, and, and they're going to do their job in controlling that front. And that's why the linebackers get so much praise. So, I, I, I expect Kentucky's defensive front to be all right. Now, here's a question mark I got for the defense, Shane. The defensive backs, Carrington, Valentine – Solid player. Mm-hmm. We're bringing in Kendrick Smith from Ole Miss. Joe mm-hmm. Williams was a touted commit. Uh, Ty Asian, who, who had the pick six against Chattanooga that won you the game. Uh, Zion Childress, Andrew Phillips, Jalen Geiger. Again, we got pieces, but a lot of unproven, and we had to go to the transfer portal to, to kind of shore this up. So if there's a weakness, and help Mark Stoops, that's what he specializes in is coaching mm-hmm. up his DBs. Uh, the, the weakness may be the secondary. Yeah, I think you're right, and it showed a little bit last year. Um, right. I, I, there was a couple of games that Kentucky really should have won, and mm-hmm. the secondary just didn't do their job. So, um, how does it look this going into this season? Like you said, there's a lot more moving pieces, so it's not it's really hard to predict here in the off season. But you could see that there was some effort made, especially in the transfer pool. So maybe maybe they seal that that side of the ball up because if they do. Again, going back to offense side of the ball, this is a Kentucky team that's not two that's one not one dimensional anymore. You know, right? I think that's what got them in problems a lot of time when they just could run. You know, if they if if they gave up some of those big plays in the secondary, they weren't able to get back into the game. You know, with Will and stuff, I don't think that's going to be a problem. But controlling the tempo on both sides of the ball is is going to be key. And so I, I again the moving pieces. The coaches see something that they're doing it. They're they're making an effort. So hopefully we'll see some improvement this season. Yeah, and, and as for specialist Shane, they're bringing back the kicker Matt Ruffalo, twenty six of thirty two field goals. So we gotta feel great about our kicking oh, yeah. situation, which is which is always a mystery in college sometimes. So you, you got to have that settled. But I know your favorite part, Shane. Get into this schedule. <laughs> Let's break it down again. As a we got our blue glasses on here very very optimistic about what these kentucky wildcats can do and start with the season opener miami of ohio <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll just pick our score for this one right yeah i mean it could be miami i i think that would be a better game but still kentucky's gonna wax them here this is a good tune-up game this is a good chance to to, to work out some of those kinks with all those transfers and stuff, I, I think this is a fantastic game to have on your schedule. So, yes, Kentucky wins. Expect a lot of moving pieces. I, I think they're still going to try to find out who's who's their starting roster, uh, and you can do that with a team like Miami of Ohio. Now, week two, this is going to be the, the game of mm-hmm. the first half of the season, no doubt, at Florida You've beaten Florida two out of the last four. You're catching them at a great time. They're coming off a Utah game, which, mm-hmm. hell, everybody I talk to says Utah may be the pick in the Pac-12. So that that's a, there's a decent chance Florida – I mean, hell, that Florida could be a good team. They could still lose the opener. So a lot to like about this game for the Kentucky Wildcats. What do you think, Shane, Kentucky going on the road in the second game of the Billy Napier era? Such a, such a fun game to watch. Uh, I think not just last year, but, hell, you remember last time they were in Gainesville a few years back, you had uh, Cash Daniels smashing the water <laughs> bottles and pulling his stone-cold stunner out there. So, I, I don't I, – I think, again, we'll get to the Florida Gators. Uh, that's a team that is going to be improving, but this is a Kentucky team that's already there. Um, it's a night game. This is going to be fun, exciting to watch. Uh, I just don't see – like later in the season, if these guys would have met, maybe we could have had more of a 50-50 game. But even not being optimistic, I really like the Kentucky Wildcats on this one. Yeah, I mean, these two hate each other, so I cannot oh, yeah. wait to see them battle down here. <laughs> it uh, kicks off it, – it, it truly kicks off the SEC, man. When these two guys get going, it's like, damn, it's ready. We're here, baby. And you it, know? It's already scheduled, Shane. 7 o'clock Eastern ESPN primetime. Mm-hmm. What a sight down there. You know what? <laughs> Absolutely.
Now, week three, Youngstown State, another pick your score. T- I think Mark Stoops oh, yeah. went to Youngstown, so he might go a little. They they may only win by 60. He'll take it easy on them, don't you think? Yeah, it's a shame they can't play this game nine in the morning so we can just go ahead and get it <laughs> over with because this is not going to be a ball game at all. Coming off that impressive win with the Florida Gators, we're sitting there at 3-0. and This team is starting to hum. This team is looking. They're already eyeing the Georgia Bulldogs. <laughs> How about uh, next on the docket, Shane, another? laugher northern illinois comes mm-hmm. to town should win yeah. this one by 30 points probably i've never really liked this school um i don't know why something about the logo or something <laughs> like that i just i tried to pull it off i think on an ncaa game it's one of those i tried to pull off and i was like you know what it ain't working out you guys have not worked on your logo at all that's the only thing i thought maybe they could have going for them but there's just nothing fun in northern illinois have you been up there no thankfully no Seriously, I think this may be the only thing that and some uh, part. I got some. Uh, I think I owe some toll roads up there in Rockford. You know, uh, other than that, there is nothing exciting coming out of Northern Illinois. There will be no excitement in this game either. <laughs> now the West crossover, Shane. This gonna be a tricky game at Ole Miss. Uh-huh. Ole Miss gotcha last time down there. I believe that was during the COVID season. Yeah, but again, Ole Miss uh, replacing all three coordinators. Replacing a ton of talent, they have also hit the transfer portal, so mm-hmm. it's kind of get a, it's hard to get a read on Ole Miss. But I think I, I think you got to lean Kentucky in this one, even though that uh, the game's in Oxford. What do you think? And I'm, it feels like I'm always leaning Kentucky when these two. I mean, I think I've lost money on this game <laughs> several times because I buy into the Kentucky hype. I think before a lot of people do, and and right now, starting this season four and zero. I, I, there's just no doubt in my mind that they can beat Old Miss Rebels. And and there's some of these games that they should have in, in years past. So I, I think maybe uh, maybe our boys off suspension at this point and you can create some noise there and, and some excitement. But I just I, I just don't think Old Miss is going to be as good as they were last year. So I got I got Kentucky winning pretty good here. Now next the following week, Shane, another you know this could be a really good game. South Carolina comes mm-hmm. to town. I believe Kentucky has won six of the last eight, though. So, yeah. man, they have really owned South Carolina. I know South Carolina's on the upswing, got a lot of respect. Maybe if I was wearing my Gamecock glasses, Shane, I could talk myself into South Carolina winning <laughs> at Kentucky. But I got my, my big blue glasses on. I, I lean towards Kentucky on this one, too. And, and same here. And, and it's one of those that, you know, at this point in October, we're going to know just how good or bad South Carolina is. And I just can't right now in in freaking June predict South Carolina there. You know, they're growing. Mm -hmm. They're getting better. But this is a Kentucky team that won 10 games last year. This is a Kentucky team that's got big expectations this season. I I just don't see South Carolina holding up. Now, maybe if it was down there in Columbia, we could get a little bit more creative. But, again, I just think, uh, think Kentucky is humming here. Now, a tricky game the following week, Shane, Mississippi Mm -hmm. State. It is in Lexington. Mississippi State got you last year. This has been a a back-and-forth series. Uh, And Kentucky, you know, you're playing so many games in a row. Looking ahead to that bye, you got to be careful that this is not a trap game. But Mississippi State will be coming off back-to-back week, Shane, against Texas A&M and Arkansas. Mm -hmm. So the placement's not great for Mississippi State either. So – Again, I think I got to give the edge to Kentucky on this one. Yeah, and again, optimism because I love, I absolutely love Mississippi State, and I can't wait to talk about these guys. But you know, right now we're talking about the Kentucky Wildcats, and and I just the the only fear I have is it is a potential trap game. Uh, I, I think you know you're trying to get to that bye week. You got the Tennessee Volunteers coming up. You, everything's going right. You've beat the Florida Gators. You've beat Ole Miss Rebels. Mississippi State's one of those teams that you can't just overlook, and especially this coming up season with the Pirate and Rodgers down there. I just, But I, I, I've I, got to give the edge to Kentucky. Again, this is a game that's going to be at home. It's 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 going to be an electric environment. It's, it's mid-October. I mean, this is college football – this is weather, man. This is college football when you think of it. So I doubt it's going to be an early game. I think Kentucky uh, pulls away here and uh, beats Mississippi State. 
Now the next game they got two weeks to prepare for it, Shane. Probably your favorite game on the calendar, the Bourbon <laughs> Bet, Kentucky at Tennessee. That's Neyland Stadium has been a house of horror for the Kentucky Wildcats outside, of course, of uh, their last trip down there. So mm-hmm. can Kentucky conceivably win two in a row in Neyland Stadium? <laughs> what do you think, you Tennessee homer? <laughs> Hell no. I mean, I mean, no, just kidding. <laughs> That's what I'm supposed to say, right? No, the thing about Tennessee and Kentucky uh, is is that this game has been so close for so long, and I just I I don't expect this season to be any different. And the the I think of some advantages. Obviously, the Kentucky had two weeks to prepare for this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you think of the last time they were in Knoxville. You think of all the all the good things. And, and when I was trying to be optimistic, this is a fifty fifty game to me, Mike. And if I if I told you any different, I'd be lying. This one right here, I don't know who's going to win. I don't know who's going to lose. And so I gave Tennessee the edge when I was optimistic for them. I'm going to give Kentucky the edge uh, being optimistic for them because they've got the roster to do it. They've got the roster to beat the Tennessee Volunteers. They've got the offense to compete with Hopple's offense. So if I'm if I'm giving anybody the edge and, and I've got – and I'm leaning big blue nation, I've got to go with them on this game. Yeah, and I – I hate to say it, Shane, but I think this game means slightly more to Kentucky. Oh yeah, than it does Tennessee. Not to say it doesn't mean a whole heck of a lot to Tennessee fans, oh. but you know this is one that Kentucky thinks about all year long. And mm-hmm. hey, I agree with everything you said. It's, to me, it's a complete toss-up. I don't care where the game's played. So optimistically, I got no problem saying Kentucky wins in Neyland Stadium. I mean, this is, they're already, we're already talking shit to each other. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you got Coach uh, Marrow out here. I don't know how you say his yeah. name. I don't know how to read half his text, but whenever he does send him out there, you know, it's, it's, he's always bashing on Tennessee. I love it. I absolutely love it. It fuels the fire. And this is why we have rivalries in college football. And uh, I can't wait to, to, to place another bourbon bet with my boys from uh, across the state line. You know what I'm saying? The following week, Shane, though, at Missouri, this is a game I think nine out of ten fans just overlook and say, well, that's an easy win. But Missouri's gotten Kentucky a number of times over the years. I think this is a back-and-forth type game. I think Missouri's a little bit better than people have them. What do you Mm -hmm. think about this one? Uh, I don't think it's a game, Um, especially if if – Everything is going like I like I'm predicting it at this moment. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think Mizzou's a team they're going to overlook. Uh, if they switch, you know, Vanderbilt the following, maybe you can you can do some sort of trap game scenario. But um, no, I, I think Kentucky just top to bottom on the roster. It's just going to be tough for them to compete against the Big Blue Nation. Like I said, even if I'm not being optimistic, this is a Kentucky's a top tier team. And uh, Mizzou's getting there. So, mm-hmm. give me uh, give me Kentucky here. Well, you know who's not a top-10 team, Shane, is Vanderbilt coming up to Lexington. <laughs> I, hell, Vanderbilt, though, hey, all jokes aside, they have played Kentucky pretty well, actually, over the years. Yeah. Uh, any chance the upset here? No, not at <laughs> all. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Put in the backups here. Maybe no, I'm just look, look ahead I, to Georgia, though. Who knows? Uh, there, there maybe if it, this is a noon kickoff type scenario, it's raining, and then you're like at half, it's you're up seven points. Yeah, maybe it has one of those type feels, but <laughs> but no, I I think if we're going best case scenario, and and Kentucky's gone through the gauntlet here, they're a top five team. You know what I'm saying? Right. They are le- legitimately they're they're already talking about Georgia, but Vanderbilt couldn't come at a better time. This would be an opportunity for them, not not so much a tune-up game, but this is a game that they should be benching some of their starters in late in the third quarter. Yeah, to rest up for that big one, Shane. Yeah. Georgia comes to town, game of the year potentially in the SEC East. Georgia, reigning national champions. They'll Hell, they'll probably be undefeated themselves. Oh, yeah. Imagine an undefeated showdown here. Who you got winning this one? Think about that, man. November nineteenth. Uh, this this game sold out. You know what I'm saying? This this is game day. Maybe here they're missing an opportunity if they're not watching two top five teams go against each other and the undefeated East teams controlling their destiny to the SEC championship, potential national championship. Kentucky doesn't get that many opportunities, but I think they could have one here. And uh, all they got to do is 
take that home field advantage and take it to the boys of Georgia. So mm-hmm. can they do it? No, I just don't. I, don't, I mean, come on, man. I, I love I love Kentucky's offense. I love what they're creating up there. But Georgia, even my Tennessee volunteer, anybody I talk to about Georgia short of Alabama I, or maybe even Texas A&M, it's, this is a machine. Kirby has got some robots down there, and he is going to win another SEC, I think, uh, potentially. So I think it will be a great game. I just think competitive depth is really going to be a factor in this one. It's late in the season. We're going to have some banged-up players. And when you just keep recruiting five-star athletes, you know what I'm saying, when you plug and play another one, there's not that much drop. And that's why Georgia does so well toward the tail end of the season. They're just deep. And uh, I think if you could have gotten this game – uh, maybe flip-flopped with the Florida Gators. I think we would have had a better opportunity. But, you know, Kentucky is going to be banged up like they are every year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to have to give the edge to uh, to the Georgia Bulldogs here. Well, thanks for losing us our Kentucky audience, Shane. I'm, <laughs> I'm going hey, well, to be mean, drinking just, these bourbons like I am. You know what? Dude, who, what Kentucky fan would be upset with the fact that they are undefeated in November, late November, right. against the Georgia Bulldogs controlling their own destiny and having home field advantage? You know, if you can get to just get to that type of game and scenario, shit, I'd be happy. I'd be tickled <laughs> pink. You know what I'm saying? Who cares? Yeah, no doubt. I'm kid there. But uh, so then last game, Louisville, the rivalry game, this means so much to both fan bases. <laughs> but Kentucky has officially flipped this bad boy shade. And it's just mm-hmm. a damn shame for Louisville. The recruits they're paying for, they can't suit them up and play them in this game. You know what? Because uh, <laughs> they're going to need them when, uh, when Kentucky rolls through them once again, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I passed a guy in the hall the other day. He had some Louisville gear on. And I asked him, I said, did you lose a damn bed or something? <laughs> <laughs> They didn't have no pretty blue shirts you could bought up there. Oh, buddy, you should have seen his face. His face turns red as that damn shirt. So, uh, no, these guys still hate each other. Don't get me wrong. Kentucky hates a lot of people. They hate they hate Florida Gators. They really hate Tennessee Volunteers. But damn, they hate them Louisville Cardinals too. Yeah, no doubt. So eleven and one. That's kind of right where I'd have it. And real quick, Shane, you know this is kind of how I broke it down. Games optimistically that Kentucky should win. Miami. Youngstown, uh, NIU, South Carolina, Mississippi State, Missouri, Vanderbilt, Louisville. Games Mm -hmm. unlikely to win, Georgia. And then the three toss-ups, in my opinion, at Florida, at Ole Miss, at Tennessee. So let me ask you real quick, Shane, like I've been doing for all these, which game do you think is the most important to win for Kentucky season? Is it at Florida, at Tennessee, is it that Georgia game? Maybe even South Carolina. Golly, Mike, can I? Oh man, I want to pick two. Can I do? <laughs> you can one, pick as many as you want. <laughs> okay, I think. Well, I, I just obviously Florida. Yeah. Right out of the gate, beating the Florida Gators, mm-hmm. it creates this momentum that we're talking about. Right. It, it, you know, people. People still don't think Kentucky should ever beat the Florida Gators. And when you keep doing it and you do it back-to-back years, I just think it's it's big. It's big for that fan base. It's big for their recruits. Um, I, I think, you know, you're starting off a new coach's reign down there on the right foot if you're a Kentucky fan. So I think it's a very, very pivotal game. Mm-hmm. But it's hard for me not – to circle the Tennessee Volunteers for all the reasons that we've already discussed. This is, this is big brother, little brother, and they we they both expect to win. It's just you know what I'm saying. This yeah. is a game that if you do all the right things and then you drop to the Tennessee Volunteers, then who cares about Georgia? I, I you know I I think this is a game. The more I think about it, I've got to put Tennessee one A and then uh, Florida Gators one B. Well, you know, Shane, they say great minds think alike, and that's exactly how I've got it. Florida, Tennessee, the two most important games on Kentucky's Mm -hmm. schedule. But, hey, brother, another successful breakdown. I know you got dinner on the table, so (laughs) I'm going to let you go here. Uh, Anything else before we hop off the line? Well, real quick, because I I, I want your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, If you were to pick one offensive MVP, who's it going to be at the end of this season? You know, I love me some Chris Rodriguez, 
But mm-hmm. it's got to be Will Levis, I think, and, and him taking that next step up. And, and I think if Rodriguez was not dealing with this potential – we don't know what he's going to get. Mm-hmm. I think he was clear-cut number one myself, but I'm going Levis as well. What about on the defensive side of the ball? Is there is there an MVP that you're looking at? You know, I, I don't think it's um, – this may throw you for a loop here, Shane, but – I think we need Trayvon Ripka to to really step up on the defensive line. Be able, you know, you just can't replace Josh Pascal. Everything he did, I, I'm just so confident in the linebacking crew of Kentucky. You, you could pick any of the linebackers, and that would be a good, safe option. But they really need a, a dominant defensive lineman to step up, and I think that's got to be Trayvon Ripka. Give me Jacquez Jones. I, I just think when you think of the talent back there. That's the one that's going to shine the most. Uh, Heisman candidate, it's Will, right? If you're if you're if you're putting your chips on anybody to win the Heisman out of Lexington, it's got to be Levis. It's got it's got to be. Yeah. Okay. Well, look at there, man. If if let's just say my scenario happens, uh huh, and Kentucky goes eleven and one, loses to Georgia, do they make a college football playoff? Ooh, I was, <laughs> I was. Betting you were going to ask me that, Shane, and and it really just depends, I think, um, on on how good Georgia is. If Georgia's undefeated, yeah. if Georgia wins the SEC, then yes, I think you have to rubber stamp Kentucky, similar like we did the Arkansas podcast. Mm-hmm. If they lose to Alabama, Alabama's undefeated. You got to put Arkansas right. in. So flip flop that. Uh, it really, un- unfortunately, you know, you're put it in the hands of someone else. So, mm-hmm. but that's yeah. the scenario for Kentucky to reach that college football playoff. Oh, man. Well, that's all I got, brother. I am so excited that we're going down there to the College Football Hall of Fame and see all the SEC fans. You know, we're, we're definitely going to – hopefully we'll run into a few SEC podcast lovers while we're down there. Yeah, we're trying – we're going to bring gear to record and, and do all the stuff. So, I cannot wait, Shane. Hopefully we don't get that revoked before the, the event. We only got a couple <laughs> weeks there for them to revoke it, but hopefully that doesn't happen. But uh, – Hey, I know you got to yeah. you got to jump off here, brother. So yeah. I appreciate you. I appreciate the entire audience. Stay tuned for more terrific content, and we'll catch you on the next one. All right, see you guys. Go cats. <laughs> <laughs>